Wilderness guides and experts will tell you it's not hard to get lost in the wilderness. Humans have done it for years now, maybe even decades. No, the hard part about getting lost in the woods, as I would learn, comes from getting out. This is my story of wilderness survival, a harrowing story National Geographic doesn't want you to know and won't buy from me because they claim it's full of irresponsible advice. So I'm telling it myself. This is The Fittest, my story of how I survived lost in the wilderness. Some people spend their whole lives preparing for surviving in the wilderness. But when you find yourself lost in the woods like I did, you quickly find that no amount of fire-making practice and bear-finding classes can prepare you for the real thing, as I was about to find out. The last thing I remember before the plane crash was the pilots yelling at me to get out of the cockpit and that my questions about clouds were distracting them. Next thing I knew, there was a lot of shaking and a crash. Blacking out, I awoke thrown from the small plane, lost and alone in the vast northwest wilderness. For most people, this would be quite daunting. In the safety of civilization, when your life isn't at stake, it's easy to make clear-headed decisions like don't eat rocks and don't eat any poisonous rocks. But when you are lost in the woods, your decisions can feel cloudy or frantic and you make mistakes. Fortunately, long ago, I learned all about wilderness survival from my father, and I was lucky enough that he imparted all his knowledge to me before the time he went into the woods and vanished forever. In a survival situation, you need to think clearly, so I got rid of my cell phone to keep me from distractions. Next, I would need to gather supplies. I have years of experience at looting downed airplanes, so I scoured the crash site for things I would need. Then I took inventory of the survival gear I had found. Number one, there was the gun. Number two, there was the bag of everything else. I was set to embark into the woods. The trouble started right away. To find my way out of the woods, I would need to hike, one of the most loathsome activities known to man but I had no choice. As I trekked across the forest, I remembered a tip from my father. To obscure my location from any birds of prey overhead, I fashioned some branches to wear on my head. This little trick likely kept me safe from being recognized from the sky as a lone person lost in the woods. It's probably what kept me alive all those weeks. When you are lost, the best course of action is to wander around aimlessly. That way you cover as much ground as possible. If you can, go in circles. That way you won't exhaust yourself going against the curvature of the earth. As day turned to night, the temperature was dropping fast. And to stay warm, I tried to build a desert with some sand I found. But it was not a big enough desert to generate any heat. I settled on building a fire instead. Another bit of wisdom from old Pop. For a fire, don't burn sticks. Instead, your clothing is much better kindling because it burns so fast. And you may need sticks later to trade with hermits you encounter. Or with Bigfoot. So while I was getting quite chilly with fewer clothes on, 
I had a nice 10-second fire to keep me warm. As I fell asleep that night, I grew despondent. I started to doubt my choices. Maybe I should have stayed with the plane and the other few passengers who were alive but trapped under the burning wreckage. By now, they may have stopped screaming and put the plane back together, flying it to safety or even to a warm tropical beach. That would be just my luck. The next day, I awoke to the sound of a helicopter flying overhead. They were likely looking for some escaped convict, so I hid from the helicopter so it wouldn't shoot at me. Looks like I'd live to see another day. It flew away after a few seconds, and luckily I never saw it again. To get a better lay of the land, I climbed a tree, seeking a higher vantage point. Before going up it, I of course checked the sturdiness of the tree by digging up the roots and hacking at them to test their strength. It soon fell over. The message? Find another tree to climb. Scaling a different tree, I made it high enough to look out to the vast wilderness around me. There was a valley straight ahead that I called Wolf Valley because it looked like the perfect place for wolves to roam. I thought, I'd better steer clear of Wolf Valley. Could be wolves there, as the name implies. There was a mountain range to the left of Wolf Valley that I dubbed the Bear Hotel. No doubt such a place would be crawling with bears. Stay away. To the right was a rock ledge that stood unmovable and forbidding that I called Concussion Rock. I'd need to cross that off the list of places to venture. Then there was the sun high above me. I would call that part of the forest Planet Fire. No matter how tempting, I would need to avoid going there too. And below me was the woods, which due to climate change could burst into flames into a massive forest fire at any second. I was truly surrounded by dangers. Thankfully, I also spotted a lake. I called it Lake Pleasant. Finally, somewhere that sounded nice. When I made it to the lake, I took in its beauty. I splashed some water on my face to clean it off. Then I splashed some water on my neck to cool myself. Then I splashed some water around because splashing water is really fun. It really gets everywhere when you splash it. Of course, I couldn't drink the lake water as is. There was just too much of it, nearly a lake's worth. But if I could separate some of the water from the lake into more manageable amounts, I'd finally have water to drink. To ensure the water was safe to drink, I burned some materials from the supply bag, a map, packaged food, damaged sticks not worthy of trade, and I boiled some lake water. Too hot to drink, I cooled it down by adding cold water from the lake. Now I finally had fresh, potable water to subsist on. That night, I slept easy, waking only from cold sweats and all the water vomiting. The following day, the dangers kept coming, even though I was nowhere near trampled by Bull's Meadow or Bleed to Death Gorge. While hiking, I got stuck in mud. You never hear of people surviving mud, do you? That's because for most people, it is unsurvivable. If I didn't get out of this mud, I feared I might starve in this very spot or be a helpless victim for some mud-eating bear to find and kill while it gobbled up all this mud. But no matter how hard I pulled at my legs, 
I just couldn't get them out of the mud. It wasn't until a heavy rain developed overhead that the mud loosened and I ran out as fast as I could. Behind me, I saw I left a trail of footprints. If someone followed these footprints, I thought, it would take them straight to nothing but mud. So I covered the footprints best I could, likely saving someone one day from getting stuck in that very mud. Mud, it turns out, wouldn't be the only thing I got stuck in during this ordeal. My arm got stuck on a vine. My hair got stuck on a bush. My foot got stuck on a root. My backpack got stuck on a tree branch. It didn't stop me from walking for miles in one spot, but it did limit how far I could get. The woods will do everything it can to keep you from getting out. Among the scariest things about being lost in the woods is that you know you are being hunted. Hunted by owls whose eggs you stole. By wolves whose pups you stepped on. By bees whose hive you threw rocks at. And, of course, dinosaurs. You are subsumed in the ever-present threat that dinosaurs may be real, in the woods, and not just mythological creatures from fairy tale books. No matter the danger, you need to constantly be on guard. Days passed. Those days turned into weeks, but they also stayed days. I got rid of the gun. Turns out it was a flare gun, not useful for hunting in any way. Instead, I subsisted on plump berries, fresh fish, nuts, and other gross foods. My stomach ached, though. Would I grow so hungry I'd need to resort to cannibalism while out here? I wouldn't know until I counted a rescue team, since they would be the first people I would have any chance at eating. But I just might have to do it if circumstances get that dire. Despite all my successes, death soon came knocking at my door with the first snowfall. Winter in the wilderness is uniquely dangerous. The snow can make you think you're not in the woods anymore, but you are. It's just hiding under the snow. You also can't burn snow for warmth, no matter how many of your last clothes you try using to. You also can't burn snow for warmth, no matter how many of your last clothes you use trying to. I was on the verge of freezing to death. I took refuge in a cave high up a rock ledge. I was disheartened though when I saw there were no cave paintings in the cave. Whoever lived in this cave before me must have died before they could draw on the walls. It was an ominous sign. For a while I shivered controllably. Then I shivered uncontrollably. Through both kinds of shivers, I thought back to the hockey team I was chaperoning on the charter flight that crashed. They were headed to the big championship game against the soccer team I was also chaperoning. That should have been my first warning. There's something about sports where you can't use your hands that makes planes want to crash. It must be because not using your hands and flying are both affronts to God. At any moment, I was going to succumb to the cold and drift away, like the snow drifting at the entrance of the cave. That's when I saw it. In the distance. Smoke. It could be from someone who learned to burn snow. But when I got there, it was just another plane crash. Great. Now I would have to start this whole thing over again at a different plane crash. 
To make matters worse, a rescue team soon arrived. I hate to break it to you, but we're lost, I told them. And there's too many of us to fit in my cave. We're doomed. They seem to know a way out of the forest, though. And after refusing my offer many times, they accepted my sticks in exchange for taking me to safety. I was relieved. I wouldn't have to eat them after all. So, I survived the woods, using only my wits. I'm lucky to be alive today and giving wilderness safety courses to people eager to learn from someone with my survival experience. My clients enjoy their wilderness experiences so much that most, if not all, never leave the woods once they go in. Just like Dad. <laughs> Personally, though, I hated the woods, but to each his own. I hope you enjoyed The Fittest, my story of how I survived loss in the wilderness. If you liked it, you may also like my story, The Fittest, my story of how I survived lost on a mountain. Thanks for listening, and remember, only the fittest survive, and that's me.